If you have a Bible today, go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. And the title of today's message is Lingering in the Tent. Lingering in the Tent. And the Bible says, Exodus 33 and verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the Tent of Meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the Tent of Meeting outside of the camp, And whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their own tents. They watched Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Father, we pray that you would speak, guide us, shepherd us today. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been preaching a, a, couple, of, a couple of weeks on the nature of coming out of an encounter with God, the dynamics of moving on from an encounter with God atop the mountain. We talked about altitude sickness, the message the following week, last week called there and back again. Can we live as a staff, even though Moses' staff changed into a snake? Can we love the supernatural and pine for it, but live our lives in the natural? The main thread of these messages has been about embracing normal life. It's been about going easy on yourself. It's about the inevitability of having to move on. Not that we want to move on, but life demands that we must. We're not designed to stay atop the mountain. That's really been the key thrust of these messages. But as we descend from the mountaintop of God, understand that on Mount Everest, 56% of all deaths come on the way down. That in order to safely navigate our way down from the mountaintop, we must assume, friends, we must expect that there will be challenges. Every day, normal life challenges. But this message today is hoping to create some tension to that message. Today's message is hoping, hoping to throw the cat amongst the pigeons, so to speak. The tension of moving on from the altitude of the mountaintop is simply this. Don't move on. The tension of moving on from the altitude of the mountaintop is simply this. If you do, do so slowly. If we're going to move on from the encounter with God environment, let's do so reluctantly. One of my favorite things about living in Canada, about being Canadian, is the culture of the Canadian door lingerer. The person who leaves your house and stays at the doorway for the longest time, getting the kids ready, winter coats on, putting your boots on. It's another hangout. It's a whole nother environment. Canadian is full of reluctant departures, reluctant leavers, people that don't want to leave your house, people that hang out at the door and create another environment to hang out. I love it. Joshua so pined for the presence of God. He was so desperate for the presence of God, that when he got it, he didn't want to leave. When you come around to my house, 
when I go to your house, that sense like we're finally here, we made it, we're having the best time that we just don't want to leave. When given the chance to stay in the middle of the presence of God, Joshua took it. He grabbed his chance. When given the chance to stay in the middle of the presence of God, we should also take it. Exodus 33 and 11 says, when Moses was finished communicating with God, Joshua would linger. When Moses was finished, Joshua would stay. When Moses was finished, when his job was complete, Joshua, he would linger. Another translation uses the word tarry. He would tarry in the presence of God. He would remain in the presence of God. He would stay put, another translation says. Some synonyms of these words are words like these. Dawdle, loiter, procrastinate, marinate. Joshua would procrastinate in the presence of God. He would loiter. He would hang around. He would just hang about. Like a bad smell, you couldn't get rid of Joshua. He would just hang around in the presence of God. Don't get me wrong. Joshua had duties. He had a job. This was the tension of his life. He had other things to do. He was the military commander of the army of Israel. But he didn't live in God's presence from day to day. But when he got into the presence of God, he wanted to stay there as long as, he's, as he could. He didn't live in God's presence, but he did stay and was reluctant to leave. Joshua didn't have a burning bush experience, not that we read about. He didn't have what Moses had, but he did decide to chase after the things of God. He was skilled in many other areas. Maybe potentially Joshua realized that this was the one area of his life where he could improve as an area of weakness in his own life to chase after and tarry in God's presence. Joshua knew that if he was going to be used by God, that he needed to spend time with God. That needs to be our own personal revelation, that if we're going to be used by God, we need to spend time with Him. Friends, understand this today that promotion is preceded by devotion. That we need to run after and love God's presence before we hope that we can be used by that same God. Uh, Chapman, or maybe it was Covey, wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. I think it was Dr. Gary Chapman. And in The Five Love Languages, he talks about quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. This should be a, should be a sixth love language, and that's sport. Quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Joshua clearly was just locking into quality time, wasn't he? He just said, God, when it comes to you, I'll affirm you for sure. I'll serve you 100%. I'll bring you gifts. Yes, I will. I'll physically touch your presence by serving others. But primarily, God, I'm just going to spend time with you. I'm going to invest quality time. God, I will not leave the tent. He just hung out. He loitered, he lingered, he tarried. The relationship that God had with Moses is one of the most unique in all of the scriptures. But like blood from a stone, Joshua would come and squeeze every ounce of God's presence out of those moments that Moses would have with God. And why not? Why shouldn't he? And why shouldn't we do the same? Why shouldn't we make sure that our lives are centered around the cloud and the fire of the Old Testament. So I guess my question to us today is this. What makes a good lingerer? What makes a good reluctant lever? What makes a loiterer? 
What makes a terrier? And how can we learn from Joshua and live our lives in a constant pursuit of God? If you're taking notes, write these thoughts down. The first thing I would say is this. Dress for the job that you want and not the job that you have. Dress for the job that you want and not the job that you have. In verse 11 and verse 30, in chapter 33, we read this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. In Moses, Joshua had maybe the greatest role model in all of the Bible, outside, of course, of our Savior, Jesus. He had a true hero. He had an example. Moses was a genuine man of God, not a perfect man of God, but a genuine man of God, an earnest man of God. Everything Moses had that he'd created in this theocracy was from the relationship that he had with Yahweh. But Joshua was not satisfied with this. Joshua was not satisfied, friends, with secondhand revelation. Because that's what it was, wasn't it? And we trust it. God spoke to Moses. Moses wrote it down. God spoke to the people. God spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the people. That's the job of a prophet. That's the job of a pastor. You're sitting here listening today to me, watching this online campus service because you trust that I'm going to bring you meat of the word, good revelation, trusted theology, doctrine that is sound. But beyond that, are you satisfied in your life with just this service today, with just this sermon, with this food that I've eaten and now I'm regurgitating here for you today? Or like Joshua, are you wanting a relationship with God for yourself? Joshua wanted God all on his own. He wanted God for himself. He wanted his own relationship. He didn't want a secondhand relationship with God. Joshua wanted a personal encounter. He wanted a relationship with God that was uniquely his own. Joshua wanted an intimate encounter with God for himself. In Joshua 1, in verse 5 through 9, it says this, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As a result of Exodus, we get Joshua, the books. As a result of Joshua lingering in the presence of God, hanging out in God's presence, being the last to leave, first to arrive, last to leave. He was the guy that didn't want to leave the party. As a result of that, we get this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. There was a relationship that he established with God as a part of his character arc. Joshua was already a witness to the mighty acts of God, the parting of the Red Sea, the miraculous destruction of the Egyptian army, the provision of manna, the quail from heaven and the water from a rock and the bitter waters made sweet, but he wanted more. You might have a testimony from this last couple of months, whether that be camp or other encounter environments in your own life, where God has moved and he's answered prayers where your praise list is now bigger than your prayer list because God is moving in your life and He's answering prayers. My question for us today is this. Are we satisfied with that or do we want more? Do we want to linger in His presence? Joshua clearly had a relationship with Yahweh because he had discernment. He had discernment, didn't he, Joshua? He was the one in Exodus 32, verse 17. It says this, When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, 
there is a sound of war in the camp. He was the one who discerned and alerted Moses of the ruckus that became the golden calf. That became a moment where Moses was so mad that he smashed the first versions of the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. He was so frustrated, but it was Joshua who, who, who showed Moses, red flag, red flag, red flag. There's a sound of war in the camp. Joshua, he had discernment. He had a relationship with Yahweh. He wanted to grow. He wanted to know more. He wanted to spend as much time as he could. He lingered, he tarried. He procrastinated in the presence of God. He'd witnessed the mighty acts of God. He'd, he'd seen God do things, but he wanted to experience it for himself. I remember one day when I was, um, would have been 16, 15 or 16, I was in a small group. And I was in a small group and, and the small group leader, his name was Sean, a great friend of mine, ended up being in my bridal party, one of my closest friends to this day. He went around the circle. How's everybody? How's your walk with God? which I think is just a great question that we could ask one another. How's your, how's your walk with God? How are you going? How are you is a good question. How are you really? Even better question. But how's your walk with God? How are you going with Jesus? Because if you're going good with Jesus, then it doesn't really matter how we are because he's going to find a silver lining in any cloud. He went around the room, how's everybody? How's your walk with God? God to me. And I was personally on fire for God. I was like, I was really excited about the things of God. I, I felt like I was in a good space. So I just said that. I was like, oh man, I'm on fire for God, man. The best I've ever felt. And he kind of shut me down. And, I, and at the moment, I didn't understand. But as the years go on, I understand more and more clearly what he was trying to get at. He said, yeah, that's cool. But how did you get on fire for God? And I was like, oh, like, I don't know. But he, he wanted an answer. He wanted to know what were the things that I'd done or put in place? What were the lessons that I had learned to get where I was? What were the steps that I took to get there? Because if I know the steps I took to get there, when I get lost, I can find those steps and get back there again. Sean challenged me to make my faith personal. He challenged me to not, got, not just get caught up in the aesthetics of the faith. Come to Sunday, Sunday best. Come to church, look good, it's great. Online campus, at least you can wear what you want. Turn up, how's everything? It's great, I'm blessed. Man, by His grace, Amen. Everyone's smiling and happy. But truly on the inside, that might not be how we are. Sean's point was this. Don't get caught up in that journey. Just figure out how you get into a good space with God so you can go back there as often as you get lost. How did you get on fire for God? Yeah, but what were the steps that you took to get there? Make our faith personal. Joshua wanted to dress for the job that he wanted, not the job that he had. Joshua knew that he would walk into the call of God, that he would be a military commander, the number one leader, numero uno of God's people one day. He had a call and a destiny in his heart. So he thought, you know what, if I'm going to get there, where are my weaknesses? Where, is, where, where can I assess the risk in my own life? I need Jesus. And so he went hard after God knowing, not that that would benefit him even in the, in the here and now, but it would benefit him and God's people in the future. Dress for the job that you want not the job that you have. Do the things that would get you into the call of God or that would benefit you when you're walking in the call, not just the things that will benefit you today. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't be afraid to walk 18 steps. Don't be afraid to walk 18 steps. 18 steps, Levi. What is 18 steps? Well, I've devised the number and the number is 18. And 18 is the amount of steps that it's going to take you on average to walk from your pew 
in this church building to the altar. Where I sit on the front row, it's going to take me one step. Second row is going to take two. And if we average up the amount of steps it's going to take for the person at the back, which is probably about 45, and find the middle ground, we're going to be at about 18, excluding the balcony. We added the balcony, maybe 23. 18 steps from the pew to the altar. Verse 10 says this, The whole nation stood and worshipped, each at their own tent. Verse 9 says, And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud came down. It says the whole nation stood at the entrance to their own tent. It says the whole nation stood at the entrance to their own tent. It says the whole nation stood at the entrance to their own tent. I understand that. You and I have been camping. You unzip your tent, you walk out, you see what everyone else is doing, and you've got your own space and your own comfort and your own life. They saw that the pillar of cloud was raised above the tent. Moses was walking in. They came out. They worshiped God at the entrance to their own tent. And then the cloud came down and blocked the tent of meeting as God spoke with Moses face to face like a friend. But Joshua wasn't at his own tent, was he? Joshua was a long way away from his own tent, wasn't he? He had, we have flatmates and roommates. He had tent mates. Whether he was married with kids at this point or whether it was just a couple of guys in the military, we don't know. But what we do know is this, is that he was not at his tent, his place of comfort. He was where God was. You and me, when we come to church or we were online and we had these moments where we feel like God is moving and there's a call and there's an urge and there's something that we need and there's a sense that we need to go to the extra mile to encounter God, Joshua did it. Don't be afraid of the 18 steps from your pew to the altar. Don't be afraid of God prompting you to give, send an encouraging text to financially support the church, to respond on the altar, to say, yes, I need prayer. Don't be afraid to take the 18 steps. Joshua left the campsite. The tent of meeting was outside of the camp. He went the extra mile. He was not concerned with the sacrifice that it would take for him to get to where God was. Can God meet you in your seat? 100%. Can God meet you if you do nothing? Of course He can. But we read in the Scriptures so many times, time and time again, men and women of God going out of their way to encounter the Holy Spirit, to meet with God and their lives are changed and I don't want to live questioning. I wonder if I had, would he have? If I had, would he have? Maybe if I had taken a step, would he have? If I had been obedient, would he have? I don't want to live my life like that. I want to live my life obedient, taking faith steps, stepping out on the water and I might sink, but at least he'll save me. It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason. Levi, I come late with a coffee. I don't feel like praising God. It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason. I don't really feel like lifting my hands. It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason. It's praise because it's sacrificial. Those 18 steps can change your life. Am I wanting to create a culture in our church where every opportunity you get and all the time you should just like be never being changed? No, 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 no. But when God moves, I saw this great video. It was a TikTok reel. And it had um, standing up from a couch as a teenager. If you're around teenagers, they just bound off the couch, don't they? Just jump up like springs. And then it had getting off the couch in your 20s. You kind of lean, lean on, your, on your legs, stand up, still looking pretty sprightly. 
than that same, that same person in his 30s. Slow to get up, backs creaking, you know. I understand that sometimes, man, standing up and getting out of your pew, coming down to the altar when you feel like God is moving is a big step. That is the whole point. Sometimes it takes a natural step to see supernatural change. Many times in our lives, there's a natural act that provokes a supernatural response. God might say, if you give that money in an offering, that will be tremendously beneficial for others and I'll bless you for it. And we go, oh, that's really cool. And we believe it to be true, but we don't give the money. The truth is true whether you do it or not. It's the obedience that God is looking for to bring a blessing in our life. Sacrificing to God is one of those acts. Your worship, your devotion, your offering, your space. And sometimes it's the 18 steps that he's looking to say, yep, that's my dude. Number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Loitering requires discipline. Loitering requires discipline. For the most part, I hate loitering. Like loiterers, stop, stop it. If you're a loiterer, don't do it. Like you drive downtown, you see loiterers. So stop loitering. A loiterer is someone who's not doing anything, right? They're just hanging about. Come on, man, get a job. Like go and just stop loitering. Just go and, just go and do stuff with your life. Verse 11 says, but as young age Joshua didn't leave the tent. In other words, of all the loitering that he could be doing, <clears throat> excuse me, he found the right place to do it. But it sounds easy, doesn't it? Sounds kind of lazy. Sounds kind of slothful. Because you're not doing anything, you're just hanging about. But stickability has a tenacious trait to it. The Bible talks about the persistent widow who came back time and time again, nine times I think to the judge who finally changed his mind because of her persistence. Tenacity. Just ask anyone who's been married through a trial or two. Anything of value takes input and energy and tenacity to hang around. Sometimes in my marriage, I'm just, I'm just hanging around. We might have a fight, might have an argument, might not see eye to eye on something, might not talk for a couple of hours, just in a half and a puff. Ah, I've had enough. But if I just hang around, it's going to be okay. If I just have some stickability, if I can just loiter long enough, I know that I'll fall back in love with Nadia in about five minutes because right now I'm frustrated. But if I can just loiter and hang, if I can be like that bad smell, I know that I'm going to change because of the fragrance of her life. Loitering requires discipline. Joshua, the Bible says in verse 11, that he did not leave the tent. That's actually all it says. It doesn't go on to say what he did. It just says that he didn't leave. Interestingly, it doesn't say that he prayed. It just says he lingered. It just says he hung around. Maybe in silence. Maybe he sat. Maybe he just was. Maybe he just existed. If you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes praying gets in the way of our prayers. Sometimes praying gets in the way of our prayers. Sometimes using words to try and define and describe and clothe prayers and feelings 
and a conversation with God can get in the way of what we're actually trying to say and what he's trying to say to us. Let's take a leaf out of Joshua's book. He's just, just existing with God as our sole priority for minutes or moments is enough. In silence, in solitude, isolating yourself, getting away, retreat to pursue God's presence. Silence is blocking out the external noise, but stillness is blocking out the internal noise. We need to be silent before God to block out external noises and distractions. But to be still before God is to still the will, the heart and the emotions to block out those internal noises. My goal is to be so comfortable in God's presence that I could sit in silence, but also be prepared for him to speak to me at any time. Let's learn from Joshua. The thing I like about Joshua is that he didn't dress for the job that he had, but for the job that he wanted. He wasn't afraid to walk those 18 steps. There was a sacrifice. He was outside the camp. And the discipline to just loiter and hang and be still before the presence of God was enough to change his life and in the future to change the life of a whole nation, the lives of all those people. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Levi, like I'm trying to figure out my next step and I'd love to just start that journey and to, to build a relationship with God is great, but where do I begin? Friend, if that's you today, I would love to pray a simple prayer with you. And in that moment, I'd love to believe that in faith, that as we confess our sins and repent, that our whole lives can be turned around as we start a faith relationship with God, a God that loves you so much, that sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you, that your whole life might be changed. So friend, if that's you today, you're saying, I'm online, I'm just trying to figure out my next steps. Friend, your very next step is simple. With me today, pray this prayer. And so if that's you, you're saying, I need to pray that prayer. I need to get my life right with God. Then I'll say one line and you repeat it back to me. You can click a button in the chat. One of our prayer partners will connect with you. And if that's you, pray this prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, Forgive me of my sin, and I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much, church. I'll hand you back to our MCs, and I'll see you next week.